Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. We are in week three of our Wise Up series, where we are going through the book of Proverbs to learn about godly living um, and godly wisdom. And we believe that godly wisdom is not just about uh, knowing the right thing to do, but also actively living out the right thing to do. And our key text, which is, I think it's already on the screen. Oh no, it's down here first. It'll be on the screen. It's there. Look how good they are. Our production team's the best. All right, so our key text for this series is Proverbs 1, verses, um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. So again, um, wisdom is something that we believe is not just something that we know, but something that we do. And we're hoping that by this series, each one of us will be a little bit wiser and not just in the way that we believe, but also in the way that we live. Uh, For week one, Pastor Tim had this really incredible message on the fact that we need to tune our ear to Lady Wisdom because we have dueling voices that are calling out to us. When it's time to make a wise decision, or an unwise decision, it can be a lot more appealing to listen to the unwise decisions. But as godly people, as people following after the wisdom of God, we need to be able to tune our ear to that wisdom. And in week one, he actually made this really incredible disclaimer that I wanted to reiterate again today. He reminded us that the Proverbs are not a promise, but a potential. If you have been in church any length of time or read through scripture on your own, you know that there is a lot of stuff in scripture that says the wise live this way and then these good things happen to them. But we all have experienced and we also can read it in scripture that that's not always the case. We can do all the right things and still experience trauma and bad things in life, which is why it's a reminder that the Proverbs are a potential. They position us for the blessings of God. They position us for the blessings that come on the other side of right living. And last week, it was an incredible message, and I will uh, reiterate some parts of it throughout mine today, but Pastor Tim talked about on having a vision. If you haven't noticed, we're doing a lot of body parts. Uh, So the first week was your ears, and the second week was your eyes, and this week, I'm going to be talking about your heart. But that that vision gives you something to go after. It gives you a direction. It helps you not to be wandering around directionless, but gives you something to focus on. And like I said, I'm going to be talking about the heart. And the reason that is, is when I first got told, told, I was not asked. I was like, hey, uh, Tim was like, you're going to be preaching uh, out of the book of Proverbs. So start reading it. And I was like, okay, Uh, great direction. So I started reading through the books of the book of Proverbs. And the first thing that stood out to me was wisdom was used in a lot in relation to the heart. I was like, Why? Because in my mind, wisdom is like your brain, your mind, it's all up here. And then whether you call it your heart or your gut, basically in this general area, this is where feelings are at. This is where you just do what feels right, even if it doesn't look right. You know, that's, that's the feeling area. So I was like, why would um, the Israelites 
think that way? Why would they use, why would someone like Solomon write about hearts and wisdom? Well, as I prayed about it and studied, I realized that as usual, God knew what he was doing. And the reason that he would attach the wisdom to hearts is because of what God has always been after since the beginning of time, our hearts. And would you pray with me for just a moment before we get in? Lord, um, as Pastor Tim has been preaching, uh, I want to agree with him as well this week and pray out of James 1.5. Um, it just says that if, you, if we ask for wisdom, you are a generous God and you will give it. So right now, Lord, I pray that every person in this room, that hearts would be open and spirits would be open to receiving your wisdom, Lord, that you would give us wisdom that transforms us from the inside and affects how we treat people and live this world on the outside, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do in this place today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to go to Proverbs 4, which will be our main point of scripture today, and it'll also be up on the screen. And it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Other translations of verse 23 say, guard your heart with all diligence for it determines the course of your life. And the word in the Hebrew, uh, depending on the translation, it's either N-A-T-S-A-R or S-A-S-A-R in case you want to take notes on it. And I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but it's like Natsar. You have to do that motion to say it. But it means to guard or to watch, to watch over, keep like a watchman, to protect, to maintain, or to obey. And I am, as a kids pastor, gonna make you all put on your thinking caps and um, imagine with me for a moment so that we can understand what Solomon meant by guarding your heart. So you're watching a cheesy action film where there is a thief, world-renowned thief, who wants to steal something, some million, multi-million dollar, billion dollar piece of thing that's in this museum place. So you go to the museum and there are guards outside, armed guards with big guns. Or depending on the movie you're watching, there's no one out front, but there's cameras. And also depending on what movie you're watching, there's a security room in the back with all these guards that are supposed to be securing things, but they're actually like talking to each other or having a smoke break or eating something. So somehow they don't notice when that one screen goes black and the thief, that means the thief's in the room, okay? So the thief gets in and then the camera pans to the thing in a glass box. And you're like, wow, if that's worth so much money, you should have guarded it better. <laughs> Why is it just sitting in this box on this table? Well, you would be surprised. All of a sudden, the thief, who is in a leotard, by the way, um, because they can't have flaps of clothing that are flying around. They need to have it like skin tight. So they are in this leotard and they spray something or they turn on a light and now there's red beams that fly out of everywhere, okay? <laughs> they did it! <laughs> So now there's these red beams, okay? And this is where, if you hate talkers in a movie, sorry, this is where I start saying to my husband, and I try to whisper it, this is unrealistic. This isn't real. This is unrealistic. How did he get through? No, see, his foot would have hit that one red light. That doesn't make any sense. But somehow, we're supposed to believe 
this thief, who is a thief, but also like a gymnast, gets through all the red things and somehow goes, opens the glass case, an alarm goes off, but they get the thing. And then they run away. And then there's some cold, hard detective whose heart's been broken that now follows them on the trail uh, to get them. And we don't know what ends up happening because that's where my illustration ends. But uh, what I want you guys to think is I want there to be two parts of that fantastic illustration for you guys to take away. And one of them is I want you guys to realize that that is the level of guarding that Solomon is talking about, but better so that your hearts don't get stolen. Uh, but there should be guards in the front, cameras, security, red thingies, I mean, all that stuff guarding this precious thing that is your heart. But also like the thief, when we read about in verses 25 through 27, you should also have this focus that you don't get sidetracked, you keep on a path. That thief did not care that there were armed guards or cameras or red security lines. They wanted to get that item. So that is the level of diligence that we need to guard our heart and also stay focused on that guarding. And that matters because our heart is, means our lives are at stake. Because remember back at the beginning when I said that I didn't understand why the book of Proverbs constantly talked about the heart in relation to wisdom. Well, excuse me while I nerd out a little bit because I like to study things. So I did. And in Hebrew uh, culture at that time and custom and literature, they actually did not have a word for the brain at all. So they believed all human intelligence, your thoughts, your actions, your emotions, basically everything that makes up a human was inside of your heart. So I want to explain that to you guys today because I want you to know that every time that we read a scripture today and maybe even in these next 12 weeks or I don't know, when you read your Bible at home and you read stuff like that, I want you to read Proverbs chapter four as instead of it just saying, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life, Solomon is saying to guard your thoughts, guard your emotions, guard your choices because all of those things will determine the path of your life. It is so much more deep and richer than just thinking of some metaphor of the heart when you know what it is the authors were talking about. About a decade ago, I was doing public speaking, as I mentioned at the beginning, and I was uh, teaching on teen dating violence at various like churches and schools and stuff like that. And I was going to a church in Fairfield at the time, and I had two pastors who were like, hey, you seem to be comfortable communicating, and you love the Lord. Do you want to preach? <laughs> I was like, uh, sure, I don't know, can't be too hard. And uh, one of them was like, okay, I'm going to train you in preaching. And then the other one, who's our youth pastor, he was like, I'll give you a Sunday a month to come and preach for the high schoolers, which is like 15-minute messages, not as intimidating as this. Uh, but I got the opportunity to start doing that. And right when that happened, I got a little convicted about something. See, at the time, I had a little issue. I did a thing that people like to call uh, cussing like a sailor. So I had a foul, foul mouth, foul, 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 foul mouth. And I was like, okay, I'm getting convicted about this. I feel like I can't be sharing the gospel and also have a mouth that cusses people out <laughs> or 
gossips or belittles people, any type of like that death that can come out of our mouths. I was like, it just doesn't feel right. So I want to do something about um, having that be less of something in my life. So I did something simple. Um, I turned off the explicit content uh, option on my phone. So I could not download anything that was a podcast or music that had cussing in it. And I did that in correlation with a 21 day fast. And I noticed after those 21 days, I was like, wow, I'm barely even cussing now. I was like, this, this worked. So I kept doing it for a few more months. But then I was like, I'm mature now. I don't even cuss anymore. I'm sitting in the presence with the word of the Lord and that is all that's flowing out of me. I'm sure it'd be okay <laughs> if I turn the feature back on. And the first thing I did was I went to Pandora and I was playing some music while I was driving. I'll, I'll never forget this. I was literally in my little uh, light blue 2000 Honda that I called Ted. And I was driving uh, down Air Base Parkway in Fairfield. And a song came on where I was like, oh my goodness. The filth <laughs> that is in this song. <laughs> Who would listen to it? So I leaned over to uh, thumbs down it. And I don't know if you're familiar with Pandora. There's a thumbs down feature or there's a thumbs up feature. Now the thumbs up feature, you have to be the one to press that button and say, oh, I like this song so much, Pandora, I want you to play it again. So I went to go thumbs down it and realized, y'all, I had a thumbs up. At one point, I liked that filth. <laughs> I liked it so much, I was like, Pandora, play it again, please. And I was like, dang, okay, maybe this doesn't really sit well with me but I kind of ignored it and I kept the content thing on and obviously, I'm sure you could guess, I started cussing again. I was like, okay. Apparently this is something that I don't think it has anything to do with whether I'm mature or not, whether I really know the word of God or not. I just think I have a bent towards cussing and it's something that I feel convicted about. So I'm gonna have to take some measures to block this from getting into my life. So it's been a decade now, and I still have that content blocked on my phone. And honestly, there's been times where it has made me feel very childish, like I can't listen to adult music, or like a, a new album comes out and I'm like trying to Google clean version because I can't download the other one. So anytime someone's like, Jazzy, you turn on music, I'm like, you don't wanna listen to my music. <laughs> but it's not just because I felt convicted about it, and so I wanted to guard my heart in that area, but like the second part of our verse uh, out of 25 through 27 that says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I had something that I was keeping my eyes on. I, like I said, my mom had called me a communicator since I was little, and now I have two pastors that I admire saying I could communicate. And I had that set before me. I wanted to be a worthy vessel, like scripture talks about in Timothy, to be used for the good things of the Lord. And I was like, maybe for me, one of those things is just gonna be, I'm having to guard this area in my life, but that gave me a motivation to do it. 
knowing that I would have opportunities like today to be able to stand up here and say, you know, I take this seriously. I think that this is a huge honor to be able to share with people the word of God. And if that means that I don't get to listen to music that cusses, then I'm not going to listen to music that cusses. But that motivated me to do it. So it's not just enough to know that you need to guard your heart, but having a vision like Pastor Tim preached about last week gives you the motivation of why you're guarding your heart. When it gets hard, when it's boring, when it's embarrassing, that vision is what keeps you set on guarding. So we know now that we're supposed to guard our hearts. And we know that a vision helps you to do that. But I want to go back a little bit and talk about the conditions of our heart for just a moment. Because the reason that we're guarding our heart and what we're guarding our heart from is anything that would take us away from things of God, that would sidetrack us from the path of God in our lives. But what if you don't even have that? You don't even have a relationship with God in the first place. What are you guarding for? What is your vision? In Ezekiel Uh, 36 verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. In this room, there are two types of hearts and one of them are hearts of stone. And I don't mean that to offend anybody, <laughs> but don't worry, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll get through it together. Uh, that I'm using to categorize is maybe the unbeliever or the person who at some point had a relationship with God but has grown cold. If you do not know the Lord, I'm sure you're a beautiful, wonderful, sweet, kind person. I, I don't think that people who are not Christians are like, weird Satan worshiping people or something like that. Um, But the condition of us spiritually is that we are dead to our sins. The only thing that transforms the heart of us is the work of the Holy Spirit. Outside of a relationship with Christ, that is just the condition of who we are. But some people in this room, you would categorize yourself as a believer. Maybe even someone who at one point had a relationship with the Lord. Maybe like the Israelites, who God was talking to in that scripture. I see it a lot as the baptism admin. I read a lot of stories of people who, for whatever reason, had a relationship with God, or at least knew of who he was, but have walked away. And maybe that is because even at church, in buildings like this, they experienced a lot of hurt. They had pastors or leaders who disappointed them. And so it's not that they're like mad, necessarily like mad at God or like wanting to turn their back on God out of like wanting the world instead. It's that they're hurt. They've grown cold and disillusioned with the things of God and the things in his house. But some people, it's because maybe they didn't really have an experience with God yet or they're confused by some things. And so instead they're like, you know what? I'm gonna go towards the world instead. It's a lot more enticing. I want to be able to listen to music with cuss words. (laughs) So they went that way instead. So their heart has grown cold, grown into one of stone because of a disconnection with God that maybe they had before. And the other group of people in this room, and don't get too big headed yet, okay, are those with hearts of flesh. But scripture is very clear in the one that I just read. God does that. 
It's not because we're special or we've done anything wonderful to earn or deserve it. Scripture is clear that it says, God says, I will take out your stony heart and I will give you a tender and responsive heart, one of flesh. All we did was respond to Romans 10, 9 that just says to declare with your mouth and, be- and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. At that moment, our heart was transformed. The only thing we did was believe and speak out. And that was it. And that means that even those of you who have maybe, you've made that decision before, but have walked away any day of the week, whether it's at church later today during the altar call or on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday, you can look at yourself and say, I am growing cold to God. My heart of flesh seems to be growing stone over it. Lord, would you do what you do and remove that heart of stone from me and give me a heart of flesh? And that matters to God because, like I said, our hearts depict our lives. Our hearts talk about our thoughts, our emotions, our choices, our actions, and that matters to God. So how do we actually do this? Maybe you're not like me, and you are like, I've never cussed in my life. Okay, well, maybe I can find something that you struggle with. Uh, (laughs) Some of us, that means that we have to get off that dating app because God has something in us for our season of singleness. We need to guard our heart because we're not ready yet for a relationship. Or maybe it's because God's called you to a lifetime of singleness and you have to have a vision for that set before you. So you have to guard your heart in that way. And I mean, some people laugh about, but it's the reality for some people. So, you know, you can pray about that. Uh, (laughs) But it might be getting off that app. It might be not watching certain TV shows or movies because it makes you, let's say like a romantic film and you can't watch it because you find yourself thinking about that guy and not your spouse. So you have to guard your marriage in that way because you have a vision of a God-centered marriage so you can't let that stuff get into it so you can't watch those shows anymore. But it's not always about what we need to rid out of our lives. I think my favorite part about guarding my heart is also about the things that I get to bring into my life to do it. And one of the major ways, major ways for me has been community. I lead a group, I have Thank God all of my best friends are believers, which means when I've struggled, when I've gone through something, in the past few years, I'm sure we all have because it's been crazy. And in these past few years, I've had opportunities for my heart to grow cold towards God, for me to not understand why I was struggling in this way or why this bad thing happened to me, why my whole world got rocked but I had people in my life who came alongside me and reminded me of what God says about my life, about who God is, about what he's done for me before. They guarded my heart for me. They reminded me of the vision set before me. And I was able to do that. If you do not have people in your life that are believers, please go to the connect table afterwards and meet somebody. (laughs) Like get in a group. It is life changing. It is life saving. In Genesis, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he didn't mean that every single person needs a significant other. They just meant that we can't do life in isolation. We need to do life with people. So some of the ways that you will guard your heart will be things that you take out of your life because for whatever reason, You just can't be around them without them affecting you. It's fine. It happens to all of us. And for other ways that you're going to guard your heart is by things that you bring 
into your life, which is like the biggest perk in my opinion. And we can do all these practical things and still feel distant from God though, except for like the community of Christian believers. That thing usually brings you close to God. But you could turn off the feature, stop watching the show, stop drinking that thing, turn off the app and guard your heart. But even someone who's not a believer can do that. And in my belief, true wisdom means a closeness with God. And I wanna make another thing very clear as we're talking about the practical things before we even get into any of the spiritual stuff. You are not guarding your heart. I was not turning off that feature on my phone. You're not putting down that drink. You're not turning off that app to earn God's love, his mercy, or his grace. Yeah, you can applaud that because it's fantastic that we don't have to earn it. (laughs) Remember in Ezekiel, he just says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you one of flesh. All we do is turn towards God and our heart is made of flesh. It is, that's like we do next to nothing besides just say, okay, and turn towards him and we are transformed. It is not that you are earning something. It's because God loves you. And the reason he is urging you, hey, stop doing that thing. It's hurting you. It's gonna take you away from me. It's gonna ruin a goal that I have for you, a plan I have for you. Hey, that's gonna ruin your marriage. Don't do that thing. I love you. I want better for you. That's why. He's the creator of our heart. He is the one that did that in the first place. So he knows what the best way to guard it. It is this circle of God calling me, me turning to him and saying yes, and immediately my heart being made soft. Then I get to see his goodness. And maybe I read about scriptures that talk about ways to guard your heart. And I say, okay, I'm going to do that. And then my heart is softened again. And I'm in relationship with again. And then there's this cycle and it keeps repeating. And there's a time where maybe I'm growing cold in an area. And all I do is turn back to God again and say, hey, would you take this heart of stone from me? I need it to be made of flesh. And he's like, yes, immediately, gladly, because I love you. Because I care about the status and the condition of your heart because I care about the life inside of you and the life that comes out of you. In Proverbs 4, 4, we read that uh, it starts with, my father taught me, take my words to heart. The first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is all focused on wisdom that King Solomon got from his dad, King David. He's telling us all these things of wisdom that the Holy Spirit put out onto David that he gave to his son. But in order for Solomon to actually receive and take that wisdom to heart, there had to be two things in place. One of them had to be a relationship in the first place. You're not usually gonna take advice from someone who you have no relationship with. That's like what happens when someone DMs you on Instagram and it's like, okay, I don't even know you. So there needs to be, (laughs) someone was like, amen. There needs to be a relationship, but not just that. Solomon had to be open to the wisdom of his father. And the same applies to us. When we are reading our word, when we're worshiping, when we're in our quiet place, we have to be open 
to the relationship that God is trying to have with us. We have to be open to the wisdom that he wants to give us. See, it was not an accident, I don't believe, that God did not give the concept of the brain to the Israelites. I believe that he, in his wisdom, gave them the wisdom of the heart because he wants us to, it to invoke the idea of a relationship of intimacy, of closeness. When someone says, um, take my words to heart, you're like, that, that has a deeper feeling than just no stuff in my brain. It has, it's a relationship. The only reason I would trust you with my heart is because we have a relationship. And that is what's God's calling because he doesn't just want you to know stuff about him, he wants to, you to know him. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.